Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. In today's episode of Bristopia, Bob Wildlife's back again, I guess. Uh, we've got a new, brand new film reviewer um, and a woman who started a new small business uh, finding niches in businesses. That sounds like an awful show. Oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. Keep listening. Yeah. Local interest. City living. Pressure points. Totter down. Parking crisis. Hello, alright there, welcome to Bristopia. I'm your host Andy Price, um, and we're here to talk about uh, Bristol, home of gigantic fiberglass cartoon characters and, um, I don't know, trees or something. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Uh, we're on episode 7. Um, that's that's crazy. Uh, if you want to keep up to date with what we talk about when we put out an episode, make sure you uh, like us on Facebook, forward slash Bristopia, and uh, follow us on Twitter, forward slash Bristopia pod. As for this show, uh, a lot has been happening, and we've got some very special guests in the studio to talk about it all. Uh, what have we got? Let me see. Ah, yes. Um, speaking of the Sean the Sheep Trail, uh, we've been enjoying that for a few weeks. Yes, the whole place has been taken over by the lead of Ardman's latest movie. Uh, but there's one man who is sick of the council's bias towards the animation studio and is here with his proposal of what should be included in next year's trail instead. Elsewhere, we've got a brand new film reviewer in. We sent her to every single movie currently out in the cinema, that's right. Uh, So we're going to hear about them later on. I mean, it was a very expensive month. That's why we sent her to the Orpheus. And on a Monday as well, I I saw uh, Mission Impossible 5, 5, Rogue Nation, £3.50. It's amazing, isn't it? It's a free advert there. Anyway, where were we? And of course, we'll round off the show uh, with our regular long-form documentary segment produced by our American intern exchange student, Justin Crockler, as always. But first, let's take a quick look at what's been happening over the last few weeks in Bristopia. A gorilla at the city zoo made headlines recently after a photographer tried to take a picture of it in its enclosure. Apparently, the gorilla didn't take kindly to the camera and he stuck his middle finger up at the photographer. Apparently, it didn't stop there, though footage of the gorilla also dropping the F-bomb has since been lost. While some might believe the gorilla's hostility was due to the invasion of its privacy, it was actually the gorilla's response to the photographer's question, what kind of key can't open a door? A monkey. This month saw Bristol celebrate graffiti and urban artwork with another edition of Upfest. I can't say I had a great time. I live on a hill, so when I went down to Upfest, it left me in a state of perpetual rotation. I felt quite sick. That may also have been the paint fumes. Goldie, remember him? Of course you do. Everyone's favourite whatever he does. Anyway, he played a sold-out show as part of the recent Harborside Festival. However, interestingly, the appearance of his teeth at the Lloyd's Amphitheatre stage allowed the bank to increase its gold standard by 212%, much to the delight of bank managers all over the UK. 
Police have launched a crackdown on legal highs across the city, but it's left the organisers of the Bristol Balloon Fiesta in a really awkward position. A swimming pool in Bishopsworth has recently been converted and reopened as a skate park, which is absolutely lovely. However, though chlorine levels have been reduced, urine levels remain consistent. George Ferguson, Mayor of Bristol, met the Pope this month. Neither party has discussed how well the pair got on, however, inexplicably, the Pope's hat is now red. And finally, the zombie survival game 2.8 hours later has unfortunately been cancelled following financial problems. The game requires players to make their way across the city as actors dressed as zombies chase and attempt to catch them. In previous years, it's been successful, but at £38 a ticket, I don't know. It feels a little too much like strolling through a disco lighting convention while wearing scuba gear. Disorientating and unnecessarily expensive for a short burst of fun. Of course, 2.8 hours later is a play on the name of the 2002 zombie film 28 Days Later. Although 2.8 Days Later is the game I play normally, it's otherwise known as my to-do list. <laughs> oh god, I'm so alone. Council. Slippery buggers, aren't they? One minute, you're just trying to pay your council tax by telegram, and the next George Ferguson's put an RPZ in your bathroom. Who's going to keep them accountable? Superheroes? No, there's no such thing. It's us, which I guess kind of makes us the superheroes. Bristopia. Which means superheroes do exist, which means where the hell is our Netflix series Netflix? Forget Daredevil, we can both see and combat crime via the passive-aggressive medium of radio, of course, which is less likely to cause any health and safety problems on set. So where's our TV series Netflix? Is it true if you say Netflix three times in the mirror, the president of Netflix appears behind you and gives you a TV series? I don't think so, mate. All right. Anyway, you heard him right there in the studio today. We have a guest that's frustrated with the council's unwavering bias towards Ardman and the latest Seanopoly trail was the final straw. He thinks that next year, the council should hand over the trail to local artists. He says they would honour the city with beautiful artwork far higher in standard than a class of eight-year-olds at the Orchard Primary School. Well, I'm not sure if I agree, as a platform for democracy across Bristopia, we were damned if we weren't going to give this man a voice. So, Brian, no second name here, and he's written it in inverted commas too, which is odd. What's your story? Okay, so unless you've been hiding in an upturned skip for the past 10 years, you will have noticed regular invasions of large, decorated fiberglass animals across the UK, such as the Bath Pigs or Wenlock and Mandeville, the 2012 Olympics horror icons, once mistaken as a sign of the apocalypse. But don't worry, you're not living in an eternal drug-induced nightmare. It's all been done in the name of art. Never want to be far from a trend, Bristol has seen its streets festooned over the last few years with Arvin characters last year, grommets, and now we've just finished catching our breath after climbing up that bloody Park Street just to see that Sean the Sheep T-Rex designed by a bloody primary school class. I mean, it's amateur hour, isn't it? I mean, that's kind of the point, though, isn't it? It's giving the chance for kids to explore their creative side, and it also gives families a fun day out. That's bullshit. We are always giving kids a platform for creativity, and they're sucking up all the work. What about us? Artists that are unemployed. That's talent that goes unseen. Well, the starving artist notion is well tested. Yeah, but we were here first. Now these children are coming over here and stealing our jobs by undercutting us. 
I don't think they got paid at all. Exactly. How are we supposed to compete with that? However, there is light at the end of the tunnel. They failed to set the art world alight. Right, and you're using this as an opportunity. Correct. We're campaigning for the council to give up on their anti-capitalist dedication to Ardman and hand next year's trail over to the Stokescroft Arts Collective. I'll curate the trail, and we'll be celebrating true British artists and their work. Okay, but don't you guys just put familiar Bristolian landmarks and sayings on mugs? And also, just going back a bit, Ardman means a lot to this city. Who are you to curate a citywide trail? Wouldn't you like to know? I mean, yes, Brian isn't much to go on. That's neither here nor there. My identity is a closely guarded secret. Whatever. So what trail would you like to do next year? Instead of having a load of stupid artists that no one's ever heard of, I've hand-chosen a load of famous contemporary artists to make proper controversial works to make people think and, you know, smash the system and that. Okay, well, actually, that does sound very exciting. Can you tell us who you've got on board? Yeah, like, we've got Banksy doing a couple. Wow, okay. He spray-painted loads of pictures of rats onto a mug. Half of them have Bristol City kits on, and the other half are Bristol Rovers, and they're all scurrying towards a bit of dog poo that's been varnished to its back. That's about sport. And then there's a mug with the word bastard written on it in about 15 different languages. But all of them are spelled a bit wrong. That's about UKIP. And dyslexia. So these are all still just going to be mugs then? Yeah, but these mugs will be massive and made out of fiberglass. We've actually gone pretty meta too. We've painted Sean the Sheep on one of them and he's wearing red trousers and glasses and is holding a big sign saying, I don't want anyone to park their car anywhere ever. Scathing. And your other guest artists? Yes, so I also got that Damien Hurst to do one. He's cut a mug in half and stuck it in formaldehyde. How did you get Damien Hurst? I have my ways. Oh, and there's another one by Tracy Emin, which she did, and it's a bit like her famous My Bed installation. But instead, she's just hung three years' worth of unwashed pants off a mug. It's lush. Um... Oh yeah, that Gilbert and George did a pair too. It's very fitting what with their Art for All slogan. So, they created a dual mug scenario in which one of them is covered in cocks and the other in fannies. But aren't these going to be a little, well inappropriate the whole success of these trails is down to their family appeal what about all the families that like to go around and take pictures of their kids next to the artworks before driving you know 200 meters down the road to the next one well yeah i know but like fuck them we're not printing maps anyway we're just gonna have blokes in balaclavas putting them up in the dead of night without telling anyone where they are and they'll all be in places where no one ever goes like under an upturned skip or any of the restaurants in millennium square r.i.p hooters these kids have got to learn that the world is harsh and unfair, and the government only wants us to be poor and miserable. And, as with all acts of subversion, the best way to do that is with genitalia. Like cocks. And fannies. Out of interest, do you hope to be paid for these artworks? Just like George Ferguson, I'll request to take my payment in Bristol Pounds. 14 million of them, actually. <laughs> 14 million?! I mean, I don't mean to crush your dreams or anything, but I don't think anyone's going to go for that. Also, I don't think they even printed that much of them. Oh, nowhere near as much as that. In fact, the overall cost of printing will easily double the cost of the entire project. So how do you hope for the council to even agree to this? Actually, we're currently in the advanced stages of talks. They've already agreed the fee. Wait, what? Why? There's only one local artist that could demand a fee like... Th oh. Oh my god. Got got sanction couple couple. My identity is a You like know. Your Bristolian mega vandal, Banksy. Wait a minute. Banksy. Stop. What? If you say Banksy three times in a row, then he explodes. What? Like Banksy, Banksy. No! no! Banksy? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I mean, at least now the value of his work will have just tripled. You're welcome, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Brian Banksy, everyone!
films. I love them more than my own children. Because films don't make me take them to other films and buy them overpriced pick and mix and then spill the popcorn all down the aisle so that when they get up and go to the toilet every two minutes because they insisted on the large-sized orange Fanta, they make loads of crunching noises and everyone hates me and wants me to die. No, films just let you watch, probably without their knowledge, like a man in a special kind of theatre. A sex theatre. Or a regular theatre, I suppose. Anyway, in the studio today we meet Anne Cleaver, who believes she watches more movies than anyone else across Bristopia. Anne is now trying to carve out a career as a professional film reviewer, and always willing to help out. I said she should come in on the show and count us down the top movies of the last few weeks. Welcome Anne. Hi. What have you been watching? Well of course it's the summer, so we've been treated to a brand new Pixar Emote Fest. Inside Out, right? Well, uh, tell us a little more about that one. Inside Out stars Amy Poehler as Graham, a woman who is literally and figuratively born inside out. The film follows Poehler as she attempts to fit in, find love, and try to make it as a businesswoman in the big city. The film asks and answers the big questions in life, like, what is it like to be able to touch your own spleen? And if there is a god, why did he make her this way? Poehler delivers a powerhouse of a performance, I mean she literally wears her heart on her sleeve. It's a light-hearted, feel-good family comedy for all the family. Um... Next, we've got the film Maggie. Maggie stars Arnold Schwarzenegger as Maggie Simpson. She's all grown up and ready to take on the business world in the big city. And just in case you're wondering, she has got rid of that pacifier and replaced it with something else. A feel-good erotic comedy for all the family. Erotic comedy? Maggie Simpson? I mean, I suppose it's been a while since I went to the cinema. Have you seen Amy yet? The documentary? Not quite. Amy is a sequel to the popular 1993 film Congo, which starred Laura Linney and her sign language equipped monkey, Amy. This movie follows Amy's intrepid adventures as she tries to make it as a businesswoman in the big city, with hilarious consequences. Okay. And finally, Southpaw, the story of a dog with an unfortunate internal compass who- Anne, have you watched any of these movies? Every single one, of course. Come on, Southpaw, when the Earth's magnetic field reverses, the world turns to an ambitious golden retriever, voiced by Jake Gyllenhaal, to save humanity. The dog fails and ends up buried under permafrost in Antarctica. There, I can make up film plots too, but it doesn't make them real. Yeah, but that's because that's not what happened. What about Ted 2 then? I went to see that. And what happened? Ted 2 is a brand new comedy film in which lovable barman Ted Danson goes back in time and meets another version of himself. It was all good clean fun until Seth MacFarlane turned up and made one of his jokes about Asian people. Actually, that's not what happened. No? Ted 2 is actually a brand new comedy film in which evil barman Ted Danson goes even further back in time and kills the other lovable Ted Danson you just mentioned where he hunts down present timeline Ted Danson, who he also kills. He spends the rest of the film laughing manically and watching reruns of Everyone Loves Raymond. Anyway, on to Minions. Minions is... The first feature film about miniature onions that has ever reached number one at the box office. Oh, excellent, so you did see that one. You're right, this is a fun game, actually. It's not a game. What do you mean? Was it a game in Terminator Genesis when Phil Collins became the Terminator and travelled back in time to kill off all of Westlife before they could get to the studio to cover and add nothing much to his classic breakup anthem, Against All Odds? I think you will find that Terminator Genesis is actually a period drama in which human doner kebab Arnold Schwarzenegger returns to the 1980s to destroy Sega's next generation console, the Sega Genesis, but fails and that's why the world had to suffer through the Sega Saturn. That sounds about right. So you admit you've not watched any of these movies and this is just a game that you and now we are playing. Well, I had to make up something off a cancel 2.8 hours later. I know, that does suck. Where am I supposed to go to escape from dribbling idiots lurching towards me now? Corn Street on a Saturday night? Hmm? Hey? Hmm? Hey? All right, Anne. I'm the one that cracks jokes around here. Anyway, 
What films haven't you seen yet that you are looking forward to? Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, where Tom Cruise tries his best to make Simon Pegg's hairline look convincing. You know what? He bloody failed. Okay, now it's uh, time to welcome back our frequently recurring guest, Bob Wildlife. Uh, He's back on the show. Last episode, we gave him this questionable uh, animal keeper a shot at his own Agony Uncle segment, Uh, but I didn't like it. It felt a little too scripted. Um, And as for his joke, well, I I mean, I don't like guests making a mockery of the podcast, so I'd like to keep that to a minimum. So I've decided to invite him back once more, but this time we're going to do a live Twitter Q&A. You know those, they they absolutely never go wrong. Um, And we can get to know the real Bob Wildlife, you know. Uh, Hopefully we'll learn a little bit more about him this time. Uh, So here we go. If you've got any questions for Bob about animals, about uh, your personal life, I don't know why he he decides that he's qualified for that, but... um, he said, open it up. So that's what we've done. We've come down to his little, um, his little hut on uh, St. Werberg City Farm uh, amongst the animals um, to hear him answer these questions. Okay. Uh, so I'm putting up the hashtag AskBob and okay. Okay, we're getting a few questions in. Right, here we go. Uh, Bob, first question. What's the biggest deer you can find in the UK? Biggest deer you can find in the UK outside of a zoo or a wildlife park would be the red deer. Uh, you see them on Exmoor. You uh, see them if you go up to Scotland, and they're they're really quite a sizable creature. I mean, there's you know a, a big stag is probably the size of a, a smallish horse. Okay, great. Um, here's another one. Have you ever held a badger? We've got a saying in the wildlife community that there's really only two types of people who hold badgers: morons. And uh, tough, tough guys. So, yeah, I've heard a badger. Okay, let's keep on coming. Uh, what's a female fox called? You call a female fox? Female fox is called a vixen. Actually, it says here pixie lot. What's that? It's, she's like a singer, you know? She's uh, also a fox. Well, I'd, I'd like to hear that. That sounds fantastic. Uh, no, sorry, uh, you misunderstand me. Um, she's a singer. So she's, a, she's not a fox? No. That sounds mental. Okay, uh, next one. Why did the solitude-loving badger buy a bunch of Pokemon cards? What? Okay, it says uh, he wanted the whole set. I don't... I think it's another joke, Bob. Is it? Well, you know badgers live in sets. I'm Bob Wildlife. Don't patronise me, mate. Sorry. So you say it's a joke. It doesn't even... I don't think it's funny, so... All right, well, I think I've got a serious one here. Uh, It says, who's Bob Wildlife? Well, I'm Bob Wildlife. What do they mean, who's Bob Wildlife? Well, I think they mean, who are you to be doing a Twitter Q&A, you know? Firstly, uh, that seems unlikely... And secondly, why are they getting involved? If they don't know who I am, how do they even get on this? Well, you know, this is the internet, isn't it? There's there's trolls out there. I guess what they're saying is, who are you to be doing a Q&A? Why should they care? Have you got a reputation? I have got a reputation. Okay. You know? I've got a very good reputation, a very strong reputation. I've got a, I'm like a brand, you know, that people know who people know who I am. A brand. You know, that person might not know who I am. Oh, on the other hand, maybe we're misinterpreting the question. Maybe when they say, who's Bob Wildlife, they're actually sort of saying, who's the real... But, you know, they're asking for more details about my private life, in which case that's inappropriate for this environment. And I'm not going to I'm not going to get into that. It's not uh, that's not what I'm here for. Ask me a question about a a badger. Okay, this one says, can badgers talk? Right. Sensible question. No, badgers can't talk. Okay, they're coming in thick and fast now. Uh, Shall I do just a handful? Right. Okay. Have you ever had sex with a badger? No. 
Have you ever had sex with a fox? No. Have you ever had sex with a deer? Well, I'm not. I'm not even going to answer that one. Okay. Um, oh, this one just says go fuck a badger. Right. It's not technically a question, is it? So, you know. Okay. Well, this one is a question. Uh, what are you wearing? What am I wear? I'm just wearing like boots and uh, like big thick walking socks, some shorts, mm-hmm. a hat. It's like a wildlife ranger hat. Lovely. And uh, that's it. Right. Well, you know, socks, pants. Said socks already. So pants. And that's it. That's it. Uh, my question, are the pants camouflage? Camouflage or not, you can't see them. I mean, are you hiding from something? Well, mainly what I'm trying to do is to get closer to animals. And so I don't want to be seen by those animals. And sometimes that might involve trespassing, in which case I don't want to be seen by a farmer with a shotgun. Uh, There's not much that I uh, hold in lower esteem than a farmer. If I had to name the three things I hate most in the world, it would probably be the Nazis, farmers and... Uh, Probably the beautiful south. Okay, I think this might be a serious gardening question. How do you kill a hedgehog with a spade? Oh, that is a good question. How do you kill a hedgehog with a spade? Well, uh, I guess three main ways to kill a hedgehog with a spade. Firstly, you can use the spade as a blunt instrument and just knock it around the head. The, the only difficulty with that is the hedgehog has quite a small head to aim for. It's not always quite as easy as you might imagine. What you can end up doing is just sort of shoving the hedgehog along a little bit. Um, second option is to to use the the blade of the spade and uh, try and separate the head from the main spiny body of the hedgehog. Um, that can be effective, uh, although the hedgehog's quite a fast animal when it gets going. What I would probably favour if you're anywhere near a uh, body of water of any kind is just using the spade as a sort of slingshot and sort of scooping it under the hedgehog and immediately flicking it off into the middle of the body of water. A hedgehog can swim. But as long as you're present using, probably using the spade, uh, you can just keep shoving it away from the shore until it gets tired and uh, and drowns. What if there's no large body of water? Well, then you'd have to go with one of the initial two things or, uh, you know, you could always just put it in a carrier bag and do it that way. Then what do you do with the carrier bag? Uh, you know, Tesco's will take the carrier bags away from you when they deliver your food these days. They get rid of a lot of, like, rats and things that way. Cat. Used to get in my garden. Not anymore. Right. Um, okay, let's do one more. Uh, and just scrolling through. <laughs> this one just says knob wildlife. Right. Is that that's just, is that another of the jokes I think so. that the people of the internet have decided to send in? Because <laughs> honestly, you said this would be something that would raise my profile, help people, yeah. you know, win-win situation. And it's just been ridiculous. Has it though? At least they're talking about you. Then mocking me. It's not good to be. Think it's good to be talked about. Just ask that dentist who killed that lion. It's not always. Not all publicity is good publicity. Uh, you know what people are like on the internet, though. I mean, you know, I I saw this coming. It's, it just happened. Well, you suggesting you knew this was going to happen? Maybe. Well, why did we do it then? Well, I just thought it'd be funny. Well, you were wrong. It's not been funny at all, has it? It's been been a disaster from start to finish. Well, it made me laugh. Well, that hardly seems worth my effort and time, does it? Just to make you laugh. If I wanted to make you laugh, I could just email you a video of a cat falling off a log or something. It's not, you know, it's I don't have to be here using my... Do you know how long it took me to learn all these things I know about wildlife? This isn't just something I was born with or just I've taken up in my spare time. This is my life. This is my career. And it's just the same as if you went to see a, a, a neuroscientist or something... You wouldn't waste their time by saying, oh, what are you wearing? And don't think I don't know that they didn't really want to know what I was wearing. They treated me like, as I say, like a 
like a lady in a, a Amsterdam shop window, scantily clad. Oh, what are you wearing? You can see what I'm wearing, just knickers and no top. Did you fuck a badger, though? Never fucked a badger. Wildlife documentaries. Wildlife documentaries. David Attenborough at another shoot There's big cats and parrot chatter and nanas and fruit bats The truth matters but dramaticism matters more Get things interesting as the audience is getting bored Woohoo, I adore this I've seen more fish than most and won a host of awards It's a fine time having a job Nobbing around in khaki shorts Picture tent and then when I'm thinking a nasty thought I get it caught and taped by mistake Come on team, we've not been hours awake To get a close-up of my trouser snake Nuh-uh, point my lens back down on the ground I found a small lizard, a green little wizard must be a magician because he lives in a blizzard of sand and survives these animals lives are fascinating and that's great because we're making wildlife documentaries wildlife documentaries Okay, for our long-form documentary segment this week, our American intern exchange student Justin Crockler is back once more to take us on a journey through the story of another Bristopian resident with another big idea. Now, this one's a bit different. I usually let Justin just get on with his work because really, the more involved I am, the more work I have to do. And well, that defeats the whole point of having an intern. But the story Justin hunted down this week focuses on someone that I'd had previous dealings with. It all started in the Bristopia lunchroom last week. All right there, Justin. How's it going? It's going pretty good, Andy. What have you been working on today? Oh, you know, the usual. Nothing. Yourself? Uh, so I've been talking to this lady about a new digital strategic marketing PR powerhouse. Oh, not another one. Right, but this one's different. How so? So she's built her entire business around mm-hmm. finding companies with a niche and advising right. them on how to build a business around said niche. Isn't that just how businesses actually work? Yes, absolutely. However, what sets her apart from every other PR firm is that almost every business she's advised has gone bust. Really? I believe you know her. Oh. Oh, God God damn it, her. Every business except one. Bristopia. Exactly. On today's episode of Bristopia, I went to the offices of Niche to meet you, to talk to Frankie Sanders about her business. It's a story of failure, disappointment, failure, and bad business. And failure. Now, Andy, I said you could join me only if you leave this one to me. Hey, no problemo. I absolutely won't ruin this like she may have potentially ruined this podcast. So, Frankie, your company advises others on how they can exploit a niche. Tell us about a recent project. Okay, so you know peaches. Fuck the pain away. No, like the fruit. Andy, stop dancing. Oh, right, yeah, sorry. Okay, so the fruit. The peach has seen its sales drop year on year for the last decade. Peach farmers. There are peach farmers. Andy. They came to me to help them rejuvenate the peach. People were getting turned off by the effort of eating peaches. So what did you do? 
I came up with the idea of donut peaches. Oh, like the little squat-looking things. Aren't those essentially two-thirds less peach for the same price? But I was using sound business logic. I looked at public finance records for Krispy Kreme. Their business has risen by 15% year-on-year for the last decade. The only difference I could see between peaches and donuts was that peaches weren't called donuts. That doesn't even make any sense. You know what? I can't believe we asked you to let her speak. So I figured if we called peaches donuts, then there's enough of a cross-sell there to bring the sale of peaches back into the black. And was there? No. Everybody hates the donut peach. Why? Because it's like if you put a carrot into flour and eggs and call it a cake. It's not a cake. It's a travesty. The donut peach is essentially just a peach that someone sat on. That's essentially how we made them. But fruit. Nice. All this talk of donuts was clearly making Andy hungry, which was why he was acting like such a dick. I understand what Frankie was saying, she was trying to use logic and apply it to the real world, but the real world just isn't logical. I decided to press her further. What else have you worked on? Next, we work with a group of work-based place injury claim lawyers. It's a massively oversaturated market, so we advise them to go niche and focus in on a specific profession. We found that the majority of call centre employees suffer from acute earlobe strain. It's a shame that this one didn't work out. We'd built an entire viral video marketing campaign that showed what happened when Vincent van Gogh sang Gautier down the phone to a call centre employee. I don't get it. Oh, I get it now. I mean, it worked on three levels. Genius. Convoluted, you mean? <laughs> Sounds like one of your jokes, Andy. Fuck off, Justin. It turns out the niche to meet you's mistake this time was geographical. We failed to account for the number of businesses that outsource their customer service to developing countries. Due to the nature of their injuries, we had to conduct consultations in person and the airfares bankrupted us. Frankie then explained their next venture, working on the slogans for a new course at Bristol University. The philosophy course. Actually, the slogan came quite naturally to us. What was it? Find your niche. Oh. Oh, the philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. <laughs> Tedious. Shh, Andy. That didn't go well either. It turns out those interested in a philosophy course didn't know who Friedrich Nietzsche was because they hadn't studied philosophy yet. We also spelled his name wrong, which kind of destroyed any credibility entirely. So you're just inept. I mean, I, I still can't believe I trusted you with the Bristopia brand. Well, that's the thing, actually. You guys are the only business we worked with that's still operating. <laughs> barely. What do you mean, barely? Well, I mean, don't expect a paycheck this month. I never expect a paycheck. So what's happened? Well, I'm going to have to go back to the beginning. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Oh, hello. Oh, uh, what's your name? It's Frankie. Yours? Oh, uh, Andy. I'm sorry. I appear to have got my leg stuck in your stool. Let me just untangle it. <laughs> Whoops. Ow, shit. That really hurt. Frankie, what are you doing down there? I think you've had too much to drink. Would you like a drink? I guess that's the least you could do. Double vodka Diet Coke. Uh, double vodka and coke, please, barman. And I will have the same, but double it. So what do you do, Andy? Well, that's a good question, Frankie. Have you, uh, been listening to that podcast, Siri? Of course, it's amazing. Do you think Adnan did it or Jay? Uh, I think it was that guy, Steve. There's no Steve. Wait, what's the first person you said? Adnan. Yeah, that's who I meant. Anyway, podcasting. 
I've been listening to them for years, but I was never convinced that there was enough of an audience for it. But after the success of Serial, it got me thinking. And I'm pretty sure I'm the only one thinking this, but maybe I should start a podcast. About what? So I want to make a show about real issues like potlicks and why it's such a hard word to say when you're drunk. And people and issues and things that happen and issues. But what's your niche? What's a niche? It's where there's an angle that no one else is catering to. It's where you can find an audience that no one else has tapped into. Actually, I run an organisation that helps others do exactly that. In fact, here's my card. Come to my offices in the morning. I think I have a few ideas to get this podcast going. But before that, tell me, this podcast, what do you want from it? What do you wish to be? I wish... I I wish to be big. So what happened? Uh, I woke up the next morning and I was big. What? Yeah, we got a regular Zoltar with us here. She put me in the body of a 30-year-old man. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. How old are you? 13. That explains so much. You know I can make you small again, right, Andy? Why the hell would I want that? I bought bunk beds. Anyway, the next morning, I went to Frankie's office. Oh, my God, my head. Right. Oh, I suppose I better get on with this. Okay. Hey, Frankie. Hi, Andy. I'm glad you came in. So, I've been working on ideas already, and I've realised that you can't actually compete with the BBC or the Huffington Post. But it's far less difficult to compete with the Bristol Post. So why not take this podcast format and focus it entirely on Bristol? Yeah, fine. Sold. And that was it? Yeah, pretty much. Then after we'd picked you up from the pound, we were all set. Wait, I used to be a dog? Yeah, Andy said he also wished for a loyal manservant with the brain of a dog. It also made financial sense. We only have to feed you once a day. It's genius. I guess that explains why I wiggle my butt when I'm excited. And why you've always got your face in your crotch. Anyway, the problem is, people just aren't interested. We figured there was a ready-made audience just waiting for us, that there wasn't already a podcast about Bristol, so if we made one, people would automatically listen. We thought Serial proved that people now knew what podcasts were and were ready for something like this, but apparently that only works if you produce something genuinely entertaining and engaging. But we've got to come up with something. This can't be it. I don't want to go back to eating pedigree chum. I'm just off to see our accountant. He might have some ideas. You can come with me, you know, if you want. What did you expect would happen? You don't play ads, you don't do live shows. We do, we're going to do a live show in December. You know, that's a really odd way to make that announcement, right? Oh no. Either way, you're going to have to come up with something before then, otherwise you'll go bankrupt. Right now you've got less money in the bank than Ian Beale. I mean, I think he's doing all right now. First they'll take your car, then your calf, and then they'll take your house. I mean, you'll be more homeless than Ian Beale. Again, things that he's since overcome. Your family will lose respect for you. Right. Your wife will start to look elsewhere. Uh Uh-huh. You'll get divorced, humiliated, Mm. and you'll be cheated on more times than that Ian Beale. Yeah, well, at least none of my kids are dead. (gasps) Oh, God. Guys, he's a fictional character. Yeah, well, you're still fucked.
That night, I went home, deflated. That night, I went home and ordered a curry. I stayed up all night, poring over reams of financial data, trying to work out how we could turn a profit. I went to bed early, not really giving a second thought to the podcast. We couldn't let Bristopia fail. We were working against the odds, but I'm sure there was something we could do. Bristopia was fucked. There was no point worrying about it. I couldn't stop worrying. I called up producer Sally to find out if she had any ideas. Oh, but I did call producer Sally. But she wasn't home. I fired her. I woke up that morning out of ideas and out of options. I woke up that morning well-rested and feeling quite positive about the day. Who in the hell's that? Andy, we need a talk. We have to do something. All right, well, let's get back to Frankie. We are still paying her, I guess. Okay, guys, let's brainstorm some ideas. Do you want a biscuit? No, thanks. Frankie? Yeah, go on then. Okay, right, ideas. We could ask everyone that's that's listening right now to do us a solid and head right over to iTunes and leave a review saying how much they value our work and what we do and how their lives wouldn't be as fulfilled or wonderful without us in it. No, no one's going to do that. Okay, so how about... We appeal to our listeners' sensitive side and say, if you want to help us feed our children, then maybe you could just take one minute. That's all to tell one other friend to listen to and download the podcast. That'll that'll just double our audience and double our chances of survival. Justin, I'm not building this podcast on emotional blackmail. I save that for when I visit my parents at Christmas. Is that where your new bike came from? That's where my new bike came from. All right, guys, this is getting us nowhere. Mm, how about... Oh my god. Guys, I've got it. We've been going about this wrong the whole time. Right now, podcasting is not a familiar medium. That's why people want to listen to things that are familiar. Like Serial. That was a classic crime story, a murder mystery. I know it goes against everything I stand for, but if you were to make Bristopia less niche, people might just listen. Less niche? Will they? I mean, we're out of options. It's got to be worth a shot, right? (coughs) Are you all right, Frankie? (coughs) (coughs) <coughs> is she choking on a biscuit? <coughs> Man, this is going on for a long time. Should we do something? Uh, yes, uh, grab that brick over there. Okay, never mind. Andy, I don't think she choked on a biscuit. What do you mean? I mean, people don't just choke on biscuits. I, I think she was murdered. By who? I don't know. But if there's one thing I'm sure of, I'm gonna find out. Bristopia will return next month. Okay, this episode of Bristopia, um, presented by myself, Andy Price, featured a bunch of people, um, Dan Chanel, uh, Dan Izzard, Ellen Waddell, uh, there was Barry Dolan, uh, I'm probably missing someone, but I'm sure they won't mind, although I think they are the only ones that I'm missing, in which case they might mind. Make sure you uh, go to our Twitter page, forward slash Bristopia pod, and Facebook, forward slash Bristopia, and say hi. That would be lovely. No one says hi. Maybe just say hi. I mean, I probably won't reply. But just say hi. It'd be fun. All 
Alright, see you next time guys. to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.